I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, another court has blocked President Joe Biden's student debt cancellation plan. Uh, Today, the Federal Appeals Court uh, also put a halt to the program. Last week, of course, you had a judge in Texas uh, do the same. Since then, the Department of Education has stopped accepting applications. And all of this leads to uncertainty and confusion. Could it all have been prevented if the White House had just done this through Congress rather than through executive order? And that's the big question. And so we'll start with education and then we'll broaden that out into many other areas where often in the rush to supposedly help one group, you actually end up hurting that same group in the end by not doing the right process. And much of that has to do with executive overreach. And as always, we will be equal opportunity offenders in terms of both Democrats and Republicans in the White House being all too willing to wield the executive pen with an executive order. Uh, this is part of the problem in the country when Congress does not do its job, uh, when it yields, uh, when it abdicates authority, the White House is all too happy to act. And when the White House acts by executive order under the pen of the president, somebody files a lawsuit and then it works its way through the court, often creating great uncertainty. So as it relates to the student loan forgiveness plan, uh, very interesting. Uh, this latest ruling, a unanimous three-judge panel three-judge panel, the U.S. Court of Appeals, Eighth Circuit, uh, added to the legal jeopardy that the president's debt relief plan uh, would be. So when you you look at all of that and say, okay, so now now we've got the Department of Education that has suspended accepting any more applications uh, in terms of uh, that debt forgiveness, again, uh, between $10,000 and $20,000, depending on whether a Pell Grant was involved. And so now you have all of these people, and we talked about this the day that it happened. We said to those who were celebrating in the streets that they were going to have their student loan forgiven, that they were going to at least up to $10,000 or 20000 with a Pell Grant, uh, and they were out buying stuff. <laughs> they were getting into houses. They were buying new cars. They were, they were moving forward as if this was all going to take place. And we warned, we warned, be careful uh, I would not count those chickens just quite yet because the check hasn't come and it hasn't cleared the bank. And because of that, now we see with these two court rulings uh, that this is now going to be on hold for a while. Uh, it'll be on hold until it really probably gets to the Supreme Court. 
And so this is one of those, yet again, where executive branch overreaches, says we're going to do this. Of course, the president cited uh, a very obscure part of law uh, from 9-11 that allows the president to do certain things uh, that clearly don't apply to where we are today or what that should be in terms of student loan forgiveness. And now here we are in the courts. And so what has that done? That's created great uncertainty for the very people that you say you're going to help. This isn't the first time we've seen that. And sadly, we see it over and over again because presidents are too willing to do it by executive order, to go it alone, to do it with a cell phone and a pen, as opposed to doing it through Congress. Now, at the same time, Congress bears responsibility for getting to work. Let's get these things, if they are things we ought to debate and look at as a country, let's do it. And let's do it on the floor of the House of Representatives and the floor of the United States Senate. Let's get legislation on the floor. Let's allow a rigorous debate in front of the American people, not behind closed doors, in front of the American people. Open it up so that members of both parties can offer amendments. It just might make the bill better. And if it's not going to make the bill better, then they can vote it down and they can be accountable for their votes. That's how it's supposed to work. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So we know that at least 26 million people have applied for that student loan debt relief. And about 16 million of those have been processed or at least given tentative approval. Uh, but, but the money's not flowing, so nobody's really approved yet. But if you've got 26 million people who are now in this state of uncertainty, not knowing if they still have ten dollars or $20,000 of student loans hanging over their heads or not, uh, that's uncertainty. That's not good. Uh, it, it's really not fair. Uh, again, regardless of whether you like the policy or not, whether you think that's good policy or bad policy, the way it's being done, the process, uh, creates great uncertainty for people who were just looking for help and saw that the government was there to provide some help, said it would, uh, and now it's uh, not so fast, my friend. So this is just one more example of things that, again, are getting done by executive order. And we can go through all the examples. Uh, the Remain in Mexico policy, uh, private uh, company mask mandates. Uh, we have all kinds of uh, things going on uh, in terms of the DACA program. And here are these these young kids who came into the country illegally when they were children, no fault of their own, no options for them. Uh, and because Congress has not done its job and worked that process all the way to the end, and the executive branch has been too willing to declare it one way or the other, now we've created more uncertainty in their lives. Uh, they have no home to go back to. Many of them don't even speak the language of uh, where they came from. So you can't throw those folks back into a place they've never been. And so this is part of the problem. So part of this starts with presidents showing restraint. 
And just because you think you can do something does not mean you should do something. And just because you have an executive pen doesn't mean you should use it in such sweeping ways. The other side of that equation is what do you do when Congress just won't do its job? I I get the frustration of the executive branch. If Congress isn't going to do it, I'll go it alone. And and while that sounds good and it's a great line on a on a stump speech, uh, it isn't how it works. And in the end, it usually makes things worse because of all the unraveling that takes place as you have a ruling one way and then you have an appeal and maybe the appeal sends it back and maybe that uh, passes and they, they move it up the food chain and there's another appeal and ultimately it works its way up to the Supreme Court. Uh, and when we wonder... When we wonder why our politics uh, is getting so focused on Supreme Court nominations, this is why. This is Exhibit A, B, C, D, E, and F. And it leads us to the F, the big fail. Because every time Congress doesn't do its job or abdicates its authority, the executive branch rarely has the restraint to not take it and use it and do something by executive order. And the moment they do that, someone's going to file a lawsuit that that's against the rules, that that's, that's not how it's supposed to be done. And then the lawsuit works its way through. And ultimately we wait on judges to do the job of all three branches of the federal government, which is not by design. There's three distinct branches for a reason. We don't want the Supreme Court deciding all the policy issues. We don't want the Supreme Court uh, to be weighing in on all of these things. Uh, But it is the responsibility of members of Congress and those who occupy the White House, the executive branch, to do their jobs and to do it the right way. And so, once again, we're seeing it play out. We, We keep warning you to watch this, and sadly, we keep having to watch this. I hope there comes a day when we don't have to watch this. When legislation can be done properly in the Congress, when the executive branch can do its job and the judicial branch can do their job, Uh, if we keep everybody in their lane, this constitutional republic of ours works really, really well. When we don't, we end up with the kind of messes and the political division that we're experiencing today. Just because you have a pen doesn't mean you have to use it for an executive order. It creates more uncertainty, less certainty and stability for the American people. All right, that wraps up hour number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for top of the hour news. When we come back, much more. Stick around on KSL News Radio. We'll be back. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.